In this interview, we speak with Colonel Sherry Jones and Mr. Dan O'Connor on the digital transformation occurring within the Air Force JAG Corps. We discuss why and how digital transformation is underway, offer some historical context, then move into discussion on applications, the design process, migration to the cloud, and even touch upon how this digital transformation impacts the culture of the Corps as a whole. Here are a few clips from today's show. IT and, and how it affects the JAG Corps mission is really the team effort. A lot of folks just say, you know, I don't have time to learn something new. I don't need change. I just need to be able to get my work done. And that's not something that should be ignored. And we aren't. Welcome to the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast, where we interview leaders, innovators, and influencers on the law, leadership, and best practices of the day. And now to your host from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School. Welcome to another episode from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School at Maxwell Air Force Base. I'm your host, Major Rick Hanrahan. Remember, if you like the show, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform, and leave a review. This helps us to grow an outreach to the JAG Corps and beyond. Well, we have a great topic in store for today, and one that is directly on point to the technological innovation occurring within the Air Force JAG Corps. We're going to discuss the digital transformation that is underway with two leaders in this space, including the Director and Deputy Director of the Air Force JAG Corps Legal Information Services Directorate, Colonel Sherry Jones and Mr. Dan O'Connor. Colonel Jones and Mr. O'Connor, thank you for coming on the show today to speak with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Colonel Jones is the Director and Chief Information Officer for the Air Force JAG Corps Legal Information Services Directorate located at Maxwell Air Force Base. In this capacity, she's responsible for providing responsive and secure legal specific information technology solutions to the Air Force and DOD legal communities. She has held a number of positions through her Air Force JAG Corps career to include working at the base legal office as a professor at the Air Force Academy, deputy staff judge advocate, chief of officer assignments for the Air Force JAG Corps, as the staff judge advocate at the 30th Space Wing at Vandenberg Air Force Base, California, and prior to her current position as the Deputy Commandant of the Air Force JAG School, where I had the opportunity to work with Colonel Jones for about half a year or so uh, until she moved into her current position. And our second guest, Mr. Dan O'Connor, is the Deputy Director with Colonel Jones at the Legal Information Services Directorate. He oversees implementation of the Air Force JAG Corps information technology architecture, including its case management, knowledge management, learning management, and VTC platforms. He also directs the joint DOD computer-aided legal research capability. Mr. O'Connor began his career as a project engineer at VSA Engineering in Michigan, where he designed automotive modeling software for Ford Motor Company. After attending and graduating law school, he practiced corporate law for a law firm in Detroit before eventually transitioning into the Air Force. So before we dive into our topic today, could you both provide a little more background on your current positions and what you do? Absolutely. This is Colonel Jones. Uh, so our positions at JAS are support positions for the entire JAG Corps, uh, the folks in the field doing our work. Uh, we work directly for the Judge Advocate General, which helps us affect strategy, 
for where IT can support all of our domains and the legal offices that do the work. In that capacity, we work directly with our match comms. We work directly with the Jack School over there with Major Hanrahan to ensure that we're the field needs us to do, which is give them the tools necessary to close the gap between the time it takes for them to find answers and deliver them to the decision makers, which are our commanders. So the commanders can make decisions based on the reliable, efficient data that their legal teams give them. So it's my job to sort of bridge the gap between information technology and the JAG core. Thank you, ma'am. And Mr. Connor, could you also offer a little more background on your current position? Sure. As Colonel Jones mentioned, we provide tools to the JAG Corps to, to help them better perform their mission. Um, specifically, my job is twofold. One, to kind of guide the strategy of our IT organization, whether it be setting up good platforms working in the cloud or setting up applications or working on how we deal with the field. So kind of to chart a path forward from our current technology to future technologies and kind of matching that with what big Air Force and big DOD IT wants us to do. Um, additionally, kind of work on implementation and operations, kind of everyday stuff to make sure that our systems are always up and running, that our applications are providing what they're needed to provide, and that they're kind of continually developing, that we're listening to the field and kind of constantly making changes that match what the field needs. Well, thank you both for that. Um, well, I am excited to talk about today's topic, um, definitely, uh, especially getting into the applications and uh, cloud and, and design and all these other things that we kind of talked about in prep for this interview. But before we kind of dive into that, could one of you feel the, the kind of just the broad general question on what does it mean when we say, quote unquote, digital transformation? What it really means as we're talking specifically about the JAG Corps' IT legal systems it's modernization. So it's digging into the infrastructure of our applications, putting it on a new platform, in this case, a cloud-based platform, which allows us to deliver efficiencies to the field and in updated uh, interfaces, more robust features and capabilities across all of our 64 plus applications. And then they'll be able to talk to each other. Maybe there's a need in the field to understand how what's happening in our civil law domain directly feeds off of or supports what's happening in the military justice and discipline domain. Having all of these applications on this cloud-based platform will allow those systems to integrate and talk to us, which then again gives our legal offices access to data to be then deliver good courses of action to our commanders. Dan, what would you add to that? Um, I mean, definitely digitalization is bringing new capabilities to the field. Um, and that could have all types of formats. 
um, you know, better able to upload documents and store documents. So we're not constantly using paper copies and just tracking that they exist in the Internet. Um, it can be, you know, maybe some way someday down the road, moving to mobile capabilities, um, better tracking, allowing the computer tool to do more stuff by itself and into the digital realm, as opposed to handling everything on paper, on, you know, simple spreadsheets, on chalkboards, on whiteboards, et cetera, so that we can have it work more efficiently. I always think that digitalization is moving to better technology that brings more capabilities to us so that we don't have to do a lot of that ourselves. And Mr. O'Connor, if you could, could you also just maybe provide a little bit of historical context to where we came from and how this all kind of ties into the bigger Air Force? Sure, sure. And let me kind of go way back when JS started. I think we were in Denver and we would get search requests, sometimes via email, sometimes via regular mail. We do a digital search ourselves and then print everything out and then mail the documents back to everyone. And so that was the olden days. And then as the web came out, we had better able, ability to create systems, applications. Um, you know, Amjams was created, AFSIMS and, and Roster. And so as time moved on, more technology came out, the appetite for technology grew tremendously. As people became more familiar with it, got it at home, they wanted more and more. Um, and sometimes that was simple, sometimes it was spreadsheets, but then eventually it made to advanced case management systems, knowledge management, um, and what the school uses, learning management. Um, so that's kind of the history as we go. We went from just having no applications to having five for about a decade, and then suddenly it had this huge growth to 10, 20, 30, and even I think we have about 60 applications now from AmJams, AFSIMS, WebLions, across the board. And so it has really exploded. And I think our part of the challenge of our job is to make sure we're getting the latest technology out there as it comes out and is allowed by the Air Force, but also to keep control and make it manageable within our finite resources to keep it up and running. And is some of the impetus behind this digital transformation that we're going through here in, in the 2021 and beyond to, um, you mentioned 60 applications. That seems to be a lot of applications. Is, is some of the impetus to uh, streamline that, maybe reduce some of those applications or, or make it so that they speak uh, and look uh, similar? Sure. I mean, I think uh, one of the keys to kind of handling that many applications is trying to do some consolidation. So those things that are redundant or those that have similar capabilities, try to group those together as opposed to keeping them all separate. Um, also, having a standardized user interface, even companies like Microsoft, um, whether you hate or like their products, as you go through Word, Excel, PowerPoint, et cetera, they all have that same ribbon up top and they all have the same user interface. So if you've used one, you generally have a good feel how the rest work. Um, and so I think that's something that JS hasn't done because all our apps were created different times by different people. And so I think that's our goal is this digital transformation to create that standardization across, consolidate to fewer apps, and then make those capabilities seamless throughout all our applications. Yes, sir. That makes a lot of sense. And so for Colonel Jones, what are we kind of doing? Maybe we can kind of now start to dive into some of the specifics. What are we doing to, to transform uh, how we do uh, business uh, in this new digital age within the JAG Corps? Yeah, absolutely. So we're on the cusp of real transformation right now. Uh, we have entered a contract uh, with um, a contractor who's helping us build this brand new platform. So we are making our maiden voyage uh, to the cloud. 
you know, before you build all the fanciness on your three-story house, you've got to have a super solid foundation. So that means cleaning out all the dust, all the clutter, and reorganizing everything by everything I mean data to make it clean and streamlined and building the foundation through the databases. So we can have the integration through all the applications. So the hard lifting and the hard work has begun. Um, in um, fiscal year 2021, uh, we'll be primed to deliver uh, on one of our flagship applications, which is the, the disciplinary case management system which will be a case management system in the field for our folks to move discipline from the end time of investigation all the way through adjudication, regardless of what that might be. So the first delivery of that is this year. So we're not only just focused on that, but some of the other applications are coming along at the same time because we have our own team of developers working along with Appian, um, who is the owner of the platform to which we're, we're building on. So we're working side by side with the developers. Uh, so RJS developers are trained up at the same time. So we have, we're not only at the doorstep of real digital transformation, the door is open um, and we're inside and we're building the transformation now. How does this design process work between uh, you know everyone with your team and and this the software company? Yeah, Dan, why don't you take that one? Sure. Um, so it it be honest with you, it starts with requirements, knowing what the field needs, and in some sense we can do that. It will talk AmJams and DCMS specifically. Some of that is looking what AmJams does currently, what it does well, where where it lacks. Um, and what key capabilities we need. And then we kind of talk, well, what in a perfect world, what are the capabilities we want and what type of format processing and, and screen outlays, all that stuff. Um, then we sit down with the, uh, the vendor and we kind of walk through a lot of that. Um, we sign out the data elements, what data is needed, what data needs to come in, what data needs to be processed and potentially what data needs to go out in reports or people need to see in, in, in infographics. So a lot of that happens. And then what they do is they do something called storyboarding, which is part of a kind of an agile process. And, and agile just means instead of taking two years to just have a huge amount of requirements to just get them all done, agile means we start working through some of those requirements, developing some screens, and we show them to the user or we show them to the POC in charge and, and they give us updates. Well, well, I said I wanted this, but now that I see it, I need to have a little bit more like this. That's where it's best used. So as we go through that agile iterative process, we, have, we kind of constantly do slight course corrections to make sure in a year when we get done, it's exactly what the customer uses, wants to use and needs, as opposed to just dumping something on them at the end of the year that they've never seen before, and we never allowed them to have any input except at the very beginning. So that's kind of how that agile process works. And most of the time we do that internal to JS. But in this case, it's been such a big thing, and it's a new platform of technology that we haven't used before. So we are having the vendor do a lot of that development for us, kind of with us, I would say. Um, so could they even bring their expertise right from the get-go as opposed to us having to learn on the job. Um, so that's kind of, and so we work back and forth. They show us, you know, each, every two weeks what they're doing. And we show that out to uh, JJM, out to field users and get their feedback. And we continually course correct till at the end, we have what we call the MVP, which is the minimum viable product, which pretty much means 
it's exactly what we need to run, but with not all the little, little extra things that we may add on down the road. But it's going to be available out to the field with a lot of new capabilities because the technology is new. And, and once you kind of get this out to the field, I'm assuming there's a way that the field can also provide feedback. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I think the goal of any type of good application in an AmJams and the and its and its uh, follow-on DCMS is that you need continuous user feedback and development, like any other product out there in the world. If it never gets developed any farther after the day it's released, it's going to quickly become stale. Processes are going to change. Needs are going to change. Leadership's direction is going to change. Data elements are going to change. I mean, up to ten years ago, things certain things like maybe sexual assault. Da- all the data that's required for that wasn't wasn't known about or wasn't even thought about. And so it was just in the last five to 10 years where those types of data points absolutely needed to be tracked. Um, so if you aren't continuously updating your technology applications, they're going to quickly become stale and out of date. And then people start having spreadsheets off to the side and it becomes less and less useful. I know how Colonel Jones uh, earlier mentioned that uh, we're, we're moving to a cloud-based platform. Um, and I'll just kind of open this question to, to both of you, whoever wants to take this. Maybe we could start first, just, just for listeners, so we're all on the same page. If you could help define what exactly is the cloud? Oh, sure, I can, I can take that. So let me kind of contrast that with currently. So all JS applications are now ho- are hosted. Uh, they're, they're in the web, but they're hosted on-premise at Maxwell Air Force Base. We have a server room that's at the, on the... Um, the second floor of the JAG school, and it hosts all those applications. And it hosts just JA applications. Um, The cloud is kind of a communal hosting, whether it be at some of the big providers like Amazon Cloud or at Microsoft Azure Cloud. It's a big place where we can host our stuff that takes advantage of all of the huge economies of scale that an Amazon or an Azure would have. They have all the security built in. They have thousands and thousands of servers. So instead of us buying specifically what we think we might need and then having to buy more every time we grow or if we shrink, then we have to kind of just throw stuff away. At Amazon or Azure or any other big cloud outfit, they can kind of just output servers to you. So, hey, I need these 10 servers to do this application. Oh, okay, we'll just allot you 10 of ours. It's a very simple process that allows us to take advantage of a big company's technology that we couldn't afford ourselves and we couldn't develop ourselves. Kind of kind of borrowing a big factory, a piece of a big factory, instead of having to buy a whole factory for ourselves. Um, and so that's where the Air Force and DOD has required everyone to go, to get away from our own little pre- on-premise servers, um, and move towards the cloud, government-approved cloud, um, but cloud nonetheless. And I think there's some big advantages to being on the cloud. Um, for example, we get to use their technology without all the effort or all the cost on our end. Um, it also is potentially going to have a lot better um, transmission speed. Instead of being locked on bases that have a lot of um, overuse and small bandwidth, um, Amazon and Azure, uh, Microsoft Azure in those places have huge amounts of bandwidth because they do it at a huge commercial level. So we'll be taking advantage of that. Um, also, it allows us to have some flexibility, um, not only to, as I mentioned, to add servers or delete servers just by clicking a button on a Windows screen, but also they have a lot of built-in services up there. Classic example is JS currently has a search engine software that we use for um, KM and, and now for knowledge management and other applications. But we had to buy that ourselves and we had to install it ourselves. But Amazon and, and other cloud providers had those services already built in. 
So you just click that that's something you want and you pay that extra fee, but it's shared amongst everyone who's using it. And so that gives you access to a lot of better technology at a, at a lower price point um, and quite efficient, efficiently too. So that's what's attracted DOD and, and Air Force to it. And I think that'll be beneficial to us. So why does that matter to the JAG Corps? Um, what that means is then JAS can spend more time working specifically on making the applications that our lawyers and paralegals use to make their lives more efficient and help them close the gap between the amount of time it helps them to develop answers to questions and collect data and get it to their commanders. So instead of us having to do the work that the cloud can provide for us, because they can do it better, quite frankly, um, they can focus on all the infrastructure stuff, which frees us up to being more responsive to the field of their needs that they have. You know, when, when Dan was talking about the advantage of the, of the cloud, I was thinking about, what's an analogy? I think about a home gym versus a big commercial gym. So when you put together your little home gym, you're, you're able to afford and upkeep maybe a couple different things that you need. But if you have a membership to a giant commercial gym, you have access to so many more types of workout equipment, free weights, a yoga room, an aerobics room, maybe even a spa. All those things that you would never have if you just tried to do it on your own. So that might be one way to think about what the cloud is. It's a very nice commercial gym versus your little home gym. Well, ma'am, I really like that analogy. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it obviously, I think pretty much industry across the board, whether it's the private sector, public sector, seems to all be going to the cloud. There's so many benefits. But what might be some of the potential disadvantages or risks with the cloud? I mean, I know one of the things, obviously, within the IT world, within the government, is we're always concerned about security. So just curious to see what your thoughts may be on that. Sure, I can cover that. Um, so hitting security first. Um, the security requirements that DOD and Air Force requires are pretty much the same, whether you're on-premise at Maxwell Air Force Base or whether you're at Azure Cloud or not. Um, the same requirements exist. There's the same procedures in place. You need same approval via A6 and SAP AA, and all the approval authorities need to occur. So from a standpoint of the security that needs to be in place, that will be the same security. Um, and so I think there's less of a concern about that, I think for JA, it's a matter of you know how can we meet those those very stringent security requirements that DoD and Air Force have put in place, whether we do it in the cloud or whether we do it on premise. Um, the requirement is pretty much identical because the same security needs to be there regardless of where you're at. And, and so, is the trajectory of this kind of taking us to where it's it's going to look and feel more like uh, the the private industry? The good and the bad of the cloud is the good is that you're, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot more capabilities, maybe better bandwidth. The downside is you got to get all your stuff there. So right now it's all on-prem on servers that we know and trust and love um, that are going away. And so now we're going a little bit into the unknown. So there's going to be some growing pains. Um, it's a little bit more of a challenge. It's new to us. And so that's why we're bringing in some contractors kind of assist us with that. But no matter what, I think it's a growth that one has to occur and two is going to benefit us in the long run but it's a little bit of a challenge to get past it. Um, and, and as you mentioned earlier, um, commercial world has already made this jump. Pretty much every company that has 
applications out there in the web, they are on one of the clouds. And there's a couple of exceptions, but the majority of them are all in one of the top 10 clouds that are available because it just doesn't make economic sense or functionality sense anymore to kind of host all your own stuff. Um, it's better just to ship it off to someplace that does it professionally for better. You know, no different than if you know you go to a doctor's office to go to a professional doctor as opposed to trying to learn medicine at your own house and do it on, on your own dime. Um, so it makes sense to go to those people that do it every day for hundreds and thousands of different customers. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So kind of transitioning, uh, maybe we could talk just briefly on the highlights of some of what are these these new applications are. Well, I think what we're going to see for the applications are performing the same work that our current applications are doing. So you're still going to have applications that help process military justice, of course. There'll be those applications that will still help our international operations law folks work air and air accident boards and uh, work legal assistance. So we see the same application only with more enhanced features, more ability to collect data, document share, and maybe pull some information that can be auto-populated, like for example, from our personnel center. So now I don't see new applications coming on, especially right now as we're trying to transform what we have. We do it slowly, methodically, thoughtfully. We go too hard, too fast without ensuring that the infrastructure is strong. It's just going to be like a house of cards and fall on top of itself, uh, which is not where we need to be. So the newness will come in the look and feel when you click on to flight, uh, which is sort of the homeroom of your class before you start specializing and looking into special stuff inside flight, like roster, um, which will get a facelift too. It'll all get a facelift, but it will be systematic. And, and to, to add on to that, I think, um, Colonel Jones brings up the good point that we can't, you know, can't forever continue to add more applications. Um, I think, you know, there's no way the JA or JS could sustain hundreds of applications. And, and the work is not, you know, there's not thousands of new elements of work being added to JAGS. I think the goal is to take our known missions with the known tools we have and make them better. Um, make them more efficient, make them more helpful, allow us to do add documents, maybe e-signature down the road, maybe mobile down the road, streamline the UIs so you can get to things faster. And it's it's less of a just a, a data entry and reporting machine. Instead, it helps you manage your work, keeps track of your military justice taskers, um, puts them on a schedule. There's all kinds of advanced capabilities that can come down the road um, as we put in this new technologies, um, as opposed to just adding more and more applications which kind of limit the resources we can spend on any one application. Yes, sir. And, and Colonel Jones, I think great points by both. And I know that a lot of people may be thinking when they hear digital uh, transformation, they go, oh, here we go. You know, an, another application that I have to learn, uh, another uphill battle, so to speak. And that could be um, something that's that's challenging from a um, enterprise-wide kind of viewpoint. Because it's 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 a change, right? Every time there's change, uh, there's some growing pains to that. 
what is your team doing or what is the greater uh, Air Force JAG Corps doing to help prep the Corps in accepting this new transformation and ultimately um, embracing it? Oh, that is such a great question. And and one that isn't one that's kicked off to the side. It's a concept and a concern that is baked into the actual stages of the design of this for the reasons that you so smartly highlighted. Because folks do get apprehensive when they see applications over the years come and go, or there's some big ramp up for some great new thing, and then it just doesn't happen for one reason or the other. And, you know, that sits in our minds of, oh, great, here we go again. And when, when you talk about messing with one of the flagship application, which is AMJAMS, which the disciplinary case management system is going to replace, a lot of folks just say, you know, I don't have time to learn something new. I just leave me alone. I finally figured out AMJAMS and now you want to, to change it. I don't need change. I just need to be able to get my work done. And that's not something that should be ignored. And we aren't. And I just refuse to let IT happen to people. There's nothing worse than clicking on some application that you know you've used so many different times. You click onto it and it opens up and the screen doesn't look like anything you remember. And what crosses your mind is, oh, great. Man, I was gonna, I was just gonna do this in about thirty seconds. Now it's gonna take me ten minutes to even figure out what's going on. Um, so that rests heavily on me. So we're doing a few different things and have a whole team dedicated right now to working with the field. But I say field, I mean people in all the domains across our full spectrum of legal services across our match comes into the field and we have a full committee of jags and paralegals who are helping us build dcms i don't mean they're in there building code i mean they are looking at the demos that pop up every two week on those sprints that dan was talking about those little tiny chunks of work evaluating them and said we really need for it to, to do this we need it to do this they are helping us build our training manuals. These people will then be the folks that go out and help us train everybody on how to use the applications. These folks are working inside their match comps, talking up and down their chain, showing them the demos, talking to the other to their teammates about what do you want to see. And I'm just so thrilled to say how involved those folks are. In fact, something came up that we weren't expecting just a couple weeks ago from that team that is creating, we are going to take a look at that. In fact, we're going to jump back right now and see if we can't build in because they're the ones working the program. And if it's not responsive to what they need, they won't use it and they'll come up with another way to do it. They'll go back to pencil and paper on the side or have a spreadsheet on the side. There's no sense in building a tool that isn't, a result of what the fields say they need. So that's helping with the whole real cultural change too. We're, we're embedding folks in the field right now who are working on the real implementation. And then we will need these folks to be our influencers as we move forward and get people to change. 
but it has to be all up and down the chain of command. Um, you've got to get the senior leaders excited about it. You've got to get the folks in the field willing to use it. And that's what we're hoping to accomplish with the advisory committee. Um, then you got to reach those folks somewhere up the middle, you know, who may be living with 12 years of, oh, here we go again. Like you mentioned, here we go again. Let's just wait and see if this DCMS thing actually materializes before I get too excited about it. Um, then we'll wait for it to, you know, blow up and break down. That's how we feel about IT. Dan and I are both real sensitive to that. And we try to talk a lot wherever we can uh, about this and all different forums that, that we can. And more importantly, show people, right? Because we can talk all day long. And they're like, well, that's awesome. Of course, Mr. O'Connor and Colonel Jones are going to get excited about this, but show me. So that's why we try to show me um, with uh, the, the sprints all the time. So folks can say, hey, it actually looks like they're doing something. And that really doesn't look too bad. So the first time, the last thing we want is the first time they try to go into some program. It's just not knocking them out between the eyes. Who's like, what is this thing? Where's my am jams? It's gone. Where did it go? Um, if folks are having that experience that I will personally take that as a failure uh, because this culture change piece of is so it's just so critical. You can build the coolest thing in the world, but the people aren't willing to touch it. It's time and money. Let's not forget the money. Well, ma'am, thank you for that open and candid uh, answer. I'm sure that's something that a lot of folks may be thinking about. And I can just personally attest uh, being at the Jack School and having the opportunity to work with um, your team and seeing kind of what you do on, on a day-to-day basis, um, doing a lot of great things there. And has, and your team has, has helped out the, the school uh, more recently when with our IT support in, in a very real and meaningful way. So um, I think it's, it's safe to say to, to the field to, to, you know, to rest assured that um, this is going to be coming out and it, it should add a lot of value to what you do uh, in your day-to-day job. Kind of transitioning uh, to some of our final questions, are there any additional resources where uh, our listeners, whether uh, members within the legal community or elsewhere, could learn more about today's topic on digital transformation? Well, we do have our knowledge management site that's internal to JAG Core users, uh, where we have a page dedicated to the disciplinary case management system for folks to, to, to take a look at it. Um, and, and offer opinions, because just because you're not an advisory council, we still want to know what, what you think. And we do have some bullet background papers on digital transformation in the eyes of what that means uh, to to the JAG. Uh, I'm sure if you, for folks who may not be in the JAG Corps, um, there is a massive push DOD-wide, then of course down to Air Force-wide, for digital transformation across the entire enterprise. Uh, it's a trendy, hot issue right now. And there are impressive studies and papers from Air Force chief, chief information officers and at the DOD level as well that talks about the transformation DOD-wide and Air Force-wide. Also, on this, Dan, on, some, on specific things, if someone out in the field um, who's working the mission every day um, has some questions or, or wants to be more involved, 
or give some input on any of our applications. Um, every application has a project manager at JS, and they keep track of, of the good and the bad. Um, and when it's time for that particular application to make the digital transformation, to make the migration to the cloud and to the new platform, they'll be the one in charge of it. Um, so reaching out to the, the JAPOC for that application area, and then also reaching out to JS and talking to that project manager, giving input, um, or even just asking how things are going or what the timeline is, is always a good thing. Um, so I think we're always interested in input. Um, obviously, certain inputs timely at certain times. Um, we have a schedule where we're going to be migrating certain applications um, at a you know at, at certain times. So um, getting a lot of input you know, well prior to that, it may not always be timely, but we'll record it. And then when it's time for that application to make that transition, we'll make sure we, we um, utilize that input to kind of make better decisions. Um, and then we'll be reaching out again at the time of the migration regardless. Um, so there's always an opportunity to give input, to have a discussion with the project manager and make things better with, with, with input from the field. Great. Thank you. And I'll kind of leave the last question for both of you. Um, are there any final thoughts or takeaways that you'd like to leave with our listeners, whether on an area that we discussed through this this interview so far today or just anything maybe we didn't have a chance to discuss? Sure, I'll start and then I'll let Colonel Jones and then Colonel Jones can kind of finish up. I think that IT and, and how it affects the JAG Corps mission is really it's a team effort. I don't believe, and I know Colonel Jones doesn't believe that we just throw IT over the fence and then good luck users and, you know, they have to use it. Um, I think the best IT and the best tool that has a you know positive impact on the mission is one where we kind of team together. We get good input from the field. We show them what we're doing. They give us feedback. Um, we make changes. And in the end, it's a good product that they can use. And then it continues to evolve over time. Um, I think that's super important. In the JAG Corps and in the military, it's more difficult because we constantly have people moving in and out of positions. Um, so there's always a, a struggle. What one person may dislike something, but they're not there for 20 or 30 years. And so they're not able to work with us over a long period of time. And a new person comes in um, who may have different ideas. So it's sometimes tough, more difficult for us to get consistent user feedback. And that's just a challenge we'll have to work with. But I think what it makes more important is that as a user out in the field, if you have issues, if you see a good direction, um, to let us know um, and give us feedback when we are able to ask for it and when new things come out. I think that's super important. Um, it is important, though, to recognize that we work in the DOD and some things are not possible or some things are restricted or some things are going to come with a delay. Um, I, there's no doubt that the commercial private sector is going to be ahead of us in many areas. Um, sometimes it's IT convenience. You know, I think at my at a private sector company, I was using my phone for business long before the government was. And in fact, I was handed an old style BlackBerry when I initially took this job. Um, so only recently I've moved to an iPhone, something that's much more usable. Um, but even that, most of my, our applications have no iPhone compatibility because it's not allowed. We only recently got certification that the CAC card could be used in respect to the iPhone. So there are some natural limitations, and it's for good reasons, for security, um, for accountability. The government doesn't have quite the flexibility that the big IT companies do and, and the business companies do in the private sector, and that's just the, the limitation we deal with. But I think our goal is to give, us, give the user the best we can within those limitations. 
Sam? No, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan, because I, I was thinking about that too. Because as we're talking about digital transformation, you think, well, when I on my phone or my computer at home, that, that all looks pretty easy. Everyone else has been doing it for a really, really long time. And there's JS celebrating their breakthrough <laughs> to digital transformation. So I, I, I can hear that when we're talking about it. And it, and it is, as, as Dan mentioned, it is such a balance between protecting data, um, our, our PII and beyond is incredibly, well, it, it's, it's the primary consideration when the Air Force and the Department of Defense considers what kind of software can be stuck into the Air Force net and the hoops that companies have to jump through to prove their level of security is monumental. And sometimes it just simply does not fit into their business model to redevelop, rebuild, commit the resources, be it bodies or be it money, to satisfy the security requirements of just the Air Force or just the Department of Defense to be able to do business with the Department of Defense. So therefore, some of the cool little features that we get easily at home and get easily on our phone aren't available to us. And that's why, because of, of the security considerations. Well, thank you, uh, Colonel Jones and Mr. O'Connor, so much for coming on today to speak with us. Obviously, we just touched the surface on this topic, right? There are so many other things we could have got into on this this discussion. So for listeners out there, if you have more questions, uh, you can always reach out to Colonel Jones and her team uh, to, to learn more or, or go online yourself to learn more. But uh, that, that'll, take, that'll take us to the end for today. Thank you again for coming on, Colonel Jones and Mr. O'Connor. Thank you. Thank you so much for the discussion. It was fun. Thanks so much. That concludes our interview with Colonel Sherry Jones and Mr. Dan O'Connor. Here are three of my takeaways from the interview. Number one, Digital transformation is fully underway. As discussed by Colonel Jones and Mr. O'Connor, digitalization can be defined as moving to better technology that brings more capabilities to the field. In short, it should make our jobs easier, quicker, safer, and more reliable. It involves digging into infrastructure and applications, creating a universal user interface with more robust features that allows our current 60-plus applications to speak with each other. It also includes the ability to upload, store, and exchange documents quicker, safer, and more accurately. It even sets up the Air Force JAG Corps for the ability to integrate with mobile capabilities, e-signatures, and other digital updates. And ultimately, digital transformation aligns with the National Security Strategy, National Defense Strategy, and Air Force JAG Corps flight plan that calls for the JAG Corps to deliver legal results at the speed of relevance as a force enabler for commanders to our mission sets. Number two, the cloud-based world is here to stay. As discussed in the interview, we historically as an Air Force and JAG Corps hosted our own internal servers. But with that comes a great amount of upkeep and resources that doesn't make sense anymore in 2021 and beyond. The vast majority of the commercial sector has been using one of the top 10 commercial cloud-based systems for quite some time with great success. The Air Force evaluated the cloud-based systems and found them to meet our growing IT needs, 
along with ensuring the necessary security measures are in place. As mentioned by Colonel Jones and Mr. O'Connor, there are numerous advantages to a cloud-based system, including using private enterprise cloud-based technology with limited cost and effort to the Air Force, top-grade industry-wide internal security, increased transition speed with greater bandwidth, flexibility to grow and to add or even delete servers as needed, built-in services such as search engines that can be as simple as a few clicks to implement, and backup redundancy only available through such a system. Additionally, one of the main implications of these benefits is that Colonel Jones and her team can devote their time and attention to building and improving the actual applications rather than building out an internal cloud system and or infrastructure. In short, JAS can be more responsive to the field and its needs, which in turn benefits commanders and the mission. And number three, IT is a team effort. This was a theme that permeated through the interview. Colonel Jones and Mr. O'Connor showed their sensitivity to the user experience. They discussed the design process and how they brought on field users to provide feedback from the onset and through the iterative design process. But as discussed, it's not just good enough to build the applications, interfaces, and systems. True IT innovation requires regular input from the field, including the good, bad, and everything in between. IT is a relationship between the designers and users to meet the mission needs. In fiscal year 2021, they'll be delivering the flagship Disciplinary Case Management System, or DCMS, that will allow legal professionals to work and track cases from investigation all the way to adjudication. It will start off as a minimal viable product and grow from there. Yes, there will be a learning curve. Yes, there will likely be some bumps along the way. And yes, there will be some change. However, if we view this as a long-term strategy to enhance our legal capabilities, some short-term effort should go a very long way. That concludes our interview with Colonel Sherry Jones and Mr. Dan O'Connor. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. This helps us grow, innovate, and develop an even better JAG Corps. Until next time, nothing from this show or any others should be construed as legal advice. Please consult an attorney for any legal issue. Nothing from this show is endorsed by the federal government, Air Force, or any of its components. All content and opinions are those of our guests and hosts. Thank you.